0: We're continuing our our, our our traveling time through the book of First Thessalonians, chapter two. If you'd like to turn with there with me, First Thessalonians, chapter two, and we'll be completing today uh, verses fourteen through twenty. Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul. This is one of his first outreaches, and that is to the. The community of Thessalonica, which is in present day Turkey. And here we begin in verse 1 of chapter number 2 of 1 Thessalonians. You yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not fruitless. On the contrary, although we had already suffered and had been outraged in Philippi, as you know, we had the courage united with God. To tell you the good news, even under great pressure. For the appeal we make does not flow from error or from impure motives. Neither do we trick, try to trick people. Instead, since God has tested us and found us fit to be entrusted with the good news. And this is how we speak. Not to win favor with the people, but with God who tests our hearts. For as you know, neither did we employ flattery talk, nor nor did we put on a false front to mask greed, and God is our witness. Now, nor did, did we seek human praise, either from you or from others. As emissaries, that is, sent ones of the Messiah Yeshua, we could have made our weight felt, but instead... We were gentle and we, when we were with you, like a mother feeding and caring for her children. We were so devoted to you that we were glad to share with you not only God's good news, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, your, our toil and hardship, how we worked both night and day, not to put a burden on any of you while proclaiming the good news to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of the holy, righteous, and blameless behavior was in the sight of you believers. For you know that we treated each of you the way a father treats his children. We encouraged you, and we comfort you. And we appeal to you to lead lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Another reason we regularly thank God is that when you heard the word of God from us, you received it not merely as a human word, but as truly as God's word itself, which is at work with you believers. For brothers, you know, you Became to be imitators of God's congregations in Yehuda, Judah, that are united with Messiah Yeshua. You suffered the same things from your countrymen as they did from the Judeans who both killed the Lord Yeshua and the prophets and chased us out too. They are displeasing to God and opposing all mankind. By keeping by trying to keep us from speaking to the nations, to the Gentiles, so that they may be, de- be delivered. Their object seems to be always to make their sins as bad as possible, but God's fury, his wrath, will catch up upon them in the end. And as for us, brothers, when we were deprived of your company for a short time in person, but not in thought, we missed you and tried hard to come to see you. We stopped, we wanted to come much come see you. all tried more than once, but the adversary, Hasatan the devil, stopped us. For when our Lord Yeshua returns, what will be our hope, our joy, our crown, but to boast about you? Won't it be you? Yes, you are our glory and our joy. And so we hear about all these words that Rav Shaul is sharing with this congregation he desires to come to see them yet again. It's said that he spent between four to seven weeks giving birth to this congregation. There was a mixture of both Jews and Gentiles who came to a saving faith in Messiah, Yeshua. Praise be unto God. And so today we're going to launch out going from verse number 14 and going forward. So in this portion of scripture here in 2.14, it speaks uh, of Judeans. All right? In a lot of translations, it just simply means Jews. They translated it just to Jews only. And there's a misnomer there because this can be taken out of context because those from the nations, when they read this book... They think, well, that is all Jews were against Rav Shaul. All Jews were against what Yeshua did, and that's not true. A truer term would be to be translated in this portion of Scripture as the Judeans. Now, where is Judea? That's in the southern part of Israel. And who were the majority of these Judeans that did not agree with what Yeshua did and what we are saying? They were the Judean leaders, the Sanhedrin, portions of the Levites, and the Perishim, the Pharisees. These were the groups that were at odds with Rav Shaul proclaiming the good news to the Jewish people and also to the nations. And so you have to take this all into consideration. So Judeans in all major English translation, the Greek word and also, I'll spell it out to you, is I-O-U-D-A-I-I-O-N, Udeon. And it is rendered not Judeans as here, but Jews. As a result, in verses 14 through 16, cease to be what they really are, namely a comparison of the Thessalonian congregation's sufferings at their own countrymen. And that's what Rav Shul is using this as an illustration. Because there were Messianic Jewish believers, Jews by birth, who came and received Yeshua as their Messiah. They still went to the temple. They still went to the local synagogue because there were no churches at that time. There were none. And sometimes they'd meet in house fellowships. They would have times of prayer where someone would stand up and rise and they would proclaim the good news to them. And so we have to have this set in our minds properly. That these Judean leaders that went against what Rav Shou'u was doing in Thessalonica. When he was proclaiming the good news both to the Jewish people and to the nations. to come, For them to come to know Messiah Yeshua and have their sins forgiven. We have to fully understand what was going on here and Rav Scholl's comparison, because these very scriptures are what the Nazis used to promote anti-Semitism in Germany. They took these words out of context. They twisted these scriptures. And as we go further deeper into this message today, we will see and realize that Rav Scholl at one time Had a veil over his eyes. And the very things that he was now receiving. Under persecution. From his fellow countrymen. Who still had a wool. The veil over their eyes. And they did not recognize Yeshua who he truly was. And so the Nazis they took these verses. Where it says there that the Jews killed Yeshua. And the Jews killed the prophets, they spun it out of its context. So they promoted anti Semitism. And this has been used as proof to those who do not know God intimately and personally through the centuries to claim that Jewish people as a whole committed deicide. What is deicide? Killing God Himself killing Yeshua himself. But in the scripture, it says this, and I'll relate that to later, but I have to set this foundation now clearly so we can fully understand and grasp what's taking place here. Yeshua said, I lay my life down of my own accord. No one takes it from me. I lay it down and I will rise it up again. And I'll get into those scriptures more in detail as we move forward. And so going forward here, so Rav Sha'u is comparing what they're now going through, persecution from their own countrymen. Because remember, a lot of these Gentiles, they came out of what? Pagan religions. They're worshiping these false idols. And for you to actually be, to be able to sell, to do commerce in the villages and in the communities that you worked you had to have certain seals of approval. And where did you get that from? The local government. You were not able to do business. So all of a sudden, you're not showing up at these pagan camp- temples anymore? Everyone's watching what's going on because that's how they also made money. See, religion is very, very commercialized, is it not? Through the centuries. What God has established, man has taken, and hasatan is perverted. Continuing now. So the focus now that I desire for us to have is to understand what Rav Shaul was trying to declare. So it's not twisted and taken out of context. If now, if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. This is what Rav Shaul gives us even more insight So in this, he is now relating to them just as we have suffered under our Judean brothers who have the veil over their eyes. So now you don't see it as out of norm that now your own countrymen who are also lost, they have a veil over their eyes. And what they're doing is they're not doing God the Father's bidding but Hasatan, they're being used as puppets in his hands. So we're here now in the book of Romans, chapter 9, verses 3 through 4, and I'll read that at this time. And Rav was speaking now to the Messianic community in Rome. I'm speaking the truth as one who belongs to Messiah. I do not lie. Also hearing witness, bearing witness is my conscience, governed by the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. My grief is so great, the pain in my heart so constant, that I could wish myself actually under God's curse and separated from the Messiah. If it would then bring my brothers of my own flesh and blood, the people of Israel, that were made God's children by the Shekinah, that's the glory, the manifest presence of God, has been with them. The covenants are theirs, and likewise the giving of the Torah, the temple service, and the promises. Now, continuing with that thought here, in the scriptures in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, we're going to put these together here, all right? goes on to say this, the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets... And drove us out, displeased God and opposed all men by hindering us from speaking to the nations, to the Gentiles, so that they may be saved. So, as always, to fill up the measure of their sins. But God's wrath, God's fury has come upon them at last. In fact, the New English Bible and the Living Bible, which usually are more sensitive to Jewish issues... Hammer the point home by repeating the Jews, even though the Greek text does not. And the Phillips version, most of you probably never read that. I have a copy of that. It repeats it four times. And this is how it is written and translated in the Phillips uh, translation of the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. You were sharing the experience of the Judean Christian churches. That's what it says there. But you know, in reality, there are no Christian churches during that time period. See how how out of context that is? And this is what the Nazis jumped on. They said, here, we have proof that these vile Jewish people actually attacked Jew, Judean Christian churches, which in factual, there was no Christian churches at that time. They were only persecuting truly their own fellow Jews who came to know Messiah. Continuing here in the, in the Phillips translation, you were sharing the experience of the Judean Christian churches who suffered persecution, by the Jews now just think about this you're a very charismatic uh, individual people are following you and you start proclaiming this in Nazi Germany you can see how anti-Semitism is given birth and these are the scriptures that were twisted by those to claim to love Yeshua who is a Jew himself See, the nations are grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. It's not vice versa. So let us continue here in the Philip's translation. The Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all men by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins but God's wrath has come upon them at last. Now let us look now to the new English Bible translation. Excuse me, I have to go down further here. I, re- I reread the, the one there from, the, from this complete Jewish Bible. Here it is. You were sharing the experiences from the Phillips translation of the Judean Christian churches who suffer persecution by the Jews. See, a blanket statement. Everyone has done something. Just like everyone has run into this. Someone looks at you. They, th- they have a pre- prejudice feeling of, of, of what you're going to do, or what your character is. They don't get to know you. And you can see how all these things can be twisted. So going forward here, it was the Jews out of the Phillips translation. It was the Jews who killed their own prophets, the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus, the Jews who drove us out. That's the end of that that verse. Now commentary on that. What this proves is that there is anti-Semitism, not in Shaul, as his Jewish critics claim, but in portions of the church that has been manifested through the ages. Part of the church has been so blind that it has not seen the context of verse 14, is Judea, the Judeans, and especially the leaders, so that no other rendering uh, that the Judeans make any sense. Now, continuing here. Jews who have the veil over their eyes, who criticize the New Testament as anti-Semitic, can hardly be blamed for accepting as authoritative the churches. Part of the church' own interpretation of what Rav Shaul has written. Now let us now look at Romans chapter 10, verse 1. This is what Paul is now speaking. Brothers, my heart's deepest desire, my prayer to the God of Israel is for my own people's salvation. Now, continuing now in Romans eleven thirteen 13 through 14. However, to those of you who are Gentiles, I say this since I myself and an emissary sent to the Gentiles, sent to the nations, I now make known to you the importance of my work. Verse 14 of Romans 11. In that the hope that somehow I may provoke some of my own people. He's speaking of his own Jewish people who have the veil over their eyes. I would provoke them now to jealousy and save some of them. Continuing here, Yohanan, John, the gospel of John, chapter one, verse 19. And this is what is said here out of this portion of scripture. Here is Yohanan, and he's the one, the Baptist, the one that does the immersions. His own testimony, when the Judean leaders set Koinim, the priests, and the Levites to him from Jerusalem to ask him who you are. Because they were asking, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandal of the coming Messiah. So going forward here, in John one nineteen is discussed at length the Greek work, word I-U-D-A-I-O-E, and shown that the passage where the context is where? In the land of Israel. And it generally means Judeans, the citizens of the providence, the lower portion of Israel, of Judea. And so with this, we see that that's the identity of the people in the land. So going forward, but even if there is no general principle or parallel construction of the sentence that makes Judeans inescapable, the only correct rendering for Sha'ol picking up the theme of suffering introduced at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And let's look at that quickly right now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and verse 6. As Rav Shaul goes in greater detail. You indeed became imitators of us and of the Lord, so that even though you were going through severe troubles, you received the word with joy from whom? The Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. And also going forward here in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.2, 2, it declares this, On the contrary, although we had already suffered and being outraged in Philippi, as you know, we had the courage united with God to tell you of the good news under great pressure. See, from their own countrymen, they received severe persecution. And so it says that you people, God's congregation, Thessalonica, suffered the same things from your own countrymen. Now the Thessalonians, as God's congregation, as Yehudah did, from theirs, and what is the term used to name the countrymen of the Judean believers? Were, of course, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, who still had the veil over their eyes. But so were the Judean believers themselves. Shaul is not talking about the Jewishness of Judea believers, his own countrymen, but about the fact that the Jewish unbelievers, those that have the veil over their faces, from this area had a history of fighting with the Jewish believers who came to put their trust in Messiah Yeshua, which goes back to their role in having Yeshua executed. Shaul remained wary of them for many years. And where is this recorded? In Romans 15, 31. And this is what he says there: that I will be rescued from unbelievers in Yehuda, and that my service for Yerushalayim will be acceptable to God's people there. And continuing in Acts twenty-one twenty-seven, it says this: Seven days were almost up when some unbelieving Jews, those that have the veil over their faces from the province of Asia, saw him, Rav Shul, in the temple, and he stirred up all the crowd, and they grabbed Sha'ul. And I preached through the whole book of Acts, and when we came to that portion, I went into greater detail at that time. So Sha'ul's purpose here seems to, to be to help the Thessalonians put their suffering in perspective. Like Yeshua promised, the world's going to hate you why because his spirit dwells within you and you no longer do the things as you once did in the world your old carnal nature you have a brand new nature in messiah yeshua and because yeshua was hated by them when he spoke to his brothers and told them that they need to repent that they need to be reconciled to Abba, Father, God. He came to the point of saying to them, the one that you're serving truly is not God the Father, but Hasatan himself. Because he wanted them to think about their actions, what they were about to do. And we'll go into this in greater detail as we continue with this message. And so with this, the Judeans who, the final point had to do now with the punctuation. Other versions have a comma after the Jews, the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus. The punctuation gratuitously highlights the tr- most of the church's traditional charge of deicide leveled against Jewish people because of the function of such a comma is to make the predicate who killed the Lord Jesus apply now to all Jews. Have you ever been called a Christ killer? I have. And so that continues today. Who killed the Lord Jesus now applies to all Jews in that mindset. Without the comment, it reads, the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus. So the predicate now specifies which particular Jews or Judeans are meant. Namely, those who killed him, as opposed to those who didn't. The Greek text unambiguously requires the latter understanding. That is, no comma as any standard in the Greek predicates. In fact, the United Bible Society's critical Greek text has a comma here, is beside the point, since the text originally was not punctuated at all. Just like the chapters and verses we see in these Bibles, in the original text, There was no chapter or verses. That was man's adding these things. And that's why we're to study God's word in the context of his word so we'll have the full, complete interpretation of the word. Otherwise, Hasatan, by the leading of others, can twist the scripture out of context so it can have an alternative meaning. And that's what the Nazis did. And other groups have done with anti-Semitism. And they're doing it yet again today. So let us continue. So as we now look at verses, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 15 through 16, the Judeans who killed the Lord Yeshua, they did not actually kill him. What does the scripture record? It records this. The Roman governor Pontius Pilate allowed Yeshua to be executed by the Roman soldiers. And where do we we see this? Now let us turn now to John chapter 10. And this is Yeshua's words on the whole matter. And who is Yeshua? God's representative of God the Father in human flesh, manifest, and he speaks of his own accord. And this is what he says here. This is why the Father loves me. He's speaking of his father. Because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it away from me. So did the the Romans actually kill Jesus Yeshua? Did Pontius Pilate actually kill Jesus Yeshua? Did any person living during that time Kill Jesus Yeshua according to God's own word. And Yeshua never sinned. He never, ever lied. He says these words. This is why the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life. So now who are you going to trust? God? Through his Son? Or will you trust what man says? Continuing, in order to take it up again, no one takes it away from me. That's Jesus, Yeshua saying these words. No one takes it away from me. On the contrary, I lay it down of my own free will. Do you realize that before the heavens, the earth were even created, before the universe were created, before you and I, our mother and father, and I don't care what color of skin you have, What nation you're from, we have one mother, one father. It's Adam and Eve. There is one race. It's called the human race. The lie of the enemy has divided us. We're all one people. We have the same mother and father. We have different complexions. We have different style of hair, color of eyes. But we're all one people created in the image and likeness of God But what does Hasatan want to do right now? He wants the racial wars going on. We're all one people. Created in the image and likeness of God. So continuing here. We've now read what Yeshua said. Now on the degree of Judean responsibility Let's now turn quickly to Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 25. Matthew 27, 25. Praise be unto God. All the people answered. His blood is upon us and our children. Now who said this? A tiny fragment of the Jewish people that were there watching as Pilate was now about to share the death sentence upon Jesus, Yeshua. And who inspired them to say these words but the Judean leadership. And who was behind the Judean leadership? Hasatan, who used the Judean leadership and those people who had a veil over their eyes. They did not see Messiah for who he was because the prophets of the old had declared this, that when he appears, the Messiah appears, his own people, majority of them, will reject him. And did that not happen? Absolutely. You should read uh, Isaiah chapter 53. It goes into greater detail than I can at this moment at this time and now continuing acts chapter 2 verses uh, 22 and 23 acts chapter 2 i know this may seem a little bit long to you but this is very very important for us to fully understand what god's word says acts chapter 2 verses 22 and 23 Men of Israel, listen to me. Yeshua from Nazareth was a man who demonstrated to you to have been from God by powerful works and miracles and signs that God performed through him in your presence. And you yourselves know this. This man was arrested in accordance with God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge. Think about that. God the Father before he created the heavens, the earth, even before he created man, he knew us even before we were born. It says this, the Lord forms and shapes us in our mother's womb. He knows us intimately. He knows the length of our days. He knows all these things. And he knew that our father, Adam, and our mother, Eve, would fall and sin against him and rebel. And so this was part of God's redemption plan. And so this man who was arrested according to God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge and through the agency of persons not bound by Torah, the Romans, you nailed him up on the stake and killed him. But what does the scriptures say? That was the process of both those few Jewish people rejecting him and also those who were not under Torah that actually followed through with the execution of driving the the nails into his hands and feet and hanging up upon that tree, upon that cross. So now let us continue here. In Acts chapter 3, verse 17, right next door. Now, brothers, I know that you did not understand the significance of what you were doing. Neither did your leaders. Remember, Yeshua was upon the execution stake, and he looked upon all those who were gathered around him. Think about those leaders of the Sanhedrin that were jeering and laughing and mocking him and some of the, the Jewish people that were there around him. See on the hill there also, Yohanan, his disciple, John, and Miriam, his mother, and the other Miriam, that were all there. And think about the Romans that were all participating in this. And he said these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think of that impact. And so that's what these scriptures here, and who's speaking here but Kepha, he's speaking to his own Jewish brothers there who had the veil over their eyes. He's communicating God's provision. So continuing here. Now, They killed the Lord Yeshua and the prophets. Most of the prophets in the Tanakh prophesied where? In Judea. Why? Because that's where the Jewish leaders were. And what did they prophesy? They prophesied, as Rav Shaul says, as did Yeshua. And where is that found? In Matthew 23, 29 through 36. We're not going to turn to those today, but these are just for reference. Luke chapter 11, 47 through 48. Those who... Listen to the podcast. You can look up these verses and write them down later. And also Stephen Acts seven fifty two, that the Judean ancestors who were so unwilling to hear the prophets that they killed him, them, the Tanakh provides evidence for this charge. Of this that took place, out of Nehemiah nine five and twenty six it says this. Nevertheless, they became disobedient and rebelled against you and thrust your Torah behind their backs and they killed your prophets who were warning them to return to you and they committed blasphemies. Continuing in uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, fifteen sixteen, it says this, and chased us too. Before Saul was born again, And saved, he was one of the chasers himself. See, Rav Shaul had this over his own eyes. And now let's turn now to Acts chapter 8, verse 3. Acts chapter 8 and verse 3 declares this. But Shaul, that's the apostle Paul, sent out to destroy the Messianic community. Entering house after house, those, he dragged out, both men and women and handed them over to be put into prison. So we see here, he once had a veil over his own eyes. And continuing in Acts chapter nine, verse one, it says this, meanwhile, Shaul, the apostle Paul, before he was the apostle Paul, still breathing uh, murderous threats against the Lord's Talmudim, that's the disciples, went to Kohen Haggadol, which is a high priest, and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, authorizing him to arrest any people that he might find, whether men or women who belong to the way, and bring them back to Jerusalem. And also 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 9, it declares this. And these are Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul's own words. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 9. For I'm the least of all emissaries. This is what Rav Schultz was writing to the Corinthian congregation. I'm the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an emissary because I persecuted the messianic community of God. Those are his own words. So he's now asking them to, Turn from their past sins to the present ones. So Shaul says that they, the Judean leaders, the unbelievers, are displeasing of God by opposing all mankind, just as he did the same. Until Yeshua manifested him by his Shekinah glory on the way to Damascus, and Rav Shaul heard a voice. He said, why, Shaul, why, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And what was Yeshua's words to him? What was Shaul's words to Yeshua? Who are you? And he says, "I am Yeshua. I'm Jesus. And you're persecuting me." See, so he had to go through that transformation of having the veil removed from his eyes, so that he could see God clearly for who He is now continuing and finishing now. Shaul encouraged the persecuted Thessalonica and Messianic believers by reminding them that they were not alone in what they had suffered because the same things were also happening to the Messianic Jewish believers in Judea. Many scriptures warn of the trials that are a normal part of Messianic believers' life and not an exemption of that. And this is for reference for you. We won't go into these in detail. It is Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Yaakov, James chapter 1, verse 2, and 1 Kepha, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 6, and also 1, Kepha, 1 Peter 4 12. During these times of suffering, those who have been through similar circumstances have stood firm in their faith and can gain courage through serving the Lord. Continuing, after cataloging the Jewish unbelievers, persecutions against the Jewish Messianic congregations of both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, Paul now summarizes the situation that these sins will be heaped up to the limit. This means that their actions had become a matter and record that God would respond to in judgment. Not immediately, but once on the road, the record of their sin could be seen by all. When the time came for the judgment to be judged, those to be judged, there would be no doubt that they deserved it. Continuing here, now in verse uh, 18, Rav shul talks about how he desired to visit with them, but Hasatan had blocked this. Shaul coming now to visit the Thessalonians. The Greek word for blocked is a military term. When armies put up barriers in the roadways to impede enemy forces, Satan takes extreme measures in his attempt to prevent God's people from doing his will. Have you ever had temptation flood into your heart and mind? Things that you never even were thinking of? And all of a sudden these thoughts come flushing to your mind? That's temptation from Satan, a roadblock in your life. So you will not go to fulfill your father's will. And finally, verses 19 and 20. When the Lord Yeshua returns. And we'll finish on that verse here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20. And this is what it says here. For when our Lord Yeshua returns, what will be our hope, our joy, our crown? To boast about you, won't it? Yes, you are our glory and our joy. And so, with this, when Yeshua returns, he's coming back for us. Both Jews and Gentiles want a Messiah. And that's a promise. Through each of these chapters, as we go first, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, at the end of each chapter, there's Yeshua promising he's coming back for his bride. Both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. Blessed be the name of the Lord.